back it's time for customers who click i've got a really interesting episode in store for you today as i'm chatting with matt kelly the founder of space goods it's a really cool brand i've been a customer myself for several months now i just love the way the brand really stood out and seemed different today we'll hear how matt approached designing the brand and growing the company but before that happens hit pause go leave a quick review for the podcast i really do appreciate any feedback let's get matt on now hi matt thanks for joining me would you mind giving us a bit of your background and kind of how you've got to where you are today yeah, I mean, it depends how deep you want me to go because I feel like I've told this story a billion times. But in a two-minute nutshell, I guess I've been kind of dabbling in e-commerce for like seven years, like full-time for about five years now, which feels like a very fucking long time. I got into broadly the world of online stuff, I suppose. I used, used to design logos for fictitious brands. I was just kind of didn't really know what they would ever be for. But I had this, I was naturally drawn to the idea of making a brand and ultimately that followed with making products and so on. I had a really terrible clothing brand when I was like 19 years old, didn't know what I was doing. I was on Shopify for the first time. This was probably before it was cool to be getting into like e-commerce and drop shipping, which has now become a bit of a buzzword now, I think. Went to uni, eventually dropped out like five years ago, nearly six years ago, when I had another clothing brand with a mate, I discovered Facebook ads. Long story short, that became a decent little business, had an office while I was in uni, eventually stopped going to uni, fell out of my mate. That business basically just dissolved and just disappeared. Like we just stopped running it essentially. I then got into the dropshipping space because I knew I wanted to build something online, but didn't have a huge amount of experience and certainly not much money at the time. Yeah, did a load of dropshipping stuff. I had like a leggings website, I had this website selling kitchen gadgets from China. This was back in like 2017, 18 back when dropshipping was much more viable, like Facebook ads were cheaper, et cetera. Became a nomad, did that for like two, three years, just kind of meet, I wanted to meet people doing similar stuff. So I went to live in Bali, Australia, all these places, went to a few like events back in the day. In fact, I used to go to loads of like e-commerce networking events because I knew no one in the space, but that was pretty cool. And then moved back to London, we'll say back to London, moved to London like four years ago. It's a bit more of a base, moved in with two guys, also running e-com brands, launched a jewelry brand called Midnight City. Grew that to a few million in revenue, but was never really interested in it beyond just it was something to do and it worked and wasn't particularly piquing my interest. But again, it was just gaining more experience in the space. I think we discussed this before, probably off the podcast when we had a call a while ago, but then I had a brand called Neon Beach, which long story short was an LED neon neon lights brand, one of which is still beside me. Grew that way too quick during COVID in like 2020, way, way too quick. Got got it to like 9 million quid in the first year. And then long story short, I had a factory go bankrupt on me. That business ended up basically going bankrupt. I got bailed out by an investment fund. Then worked with them for a few months, ended up selling out of both those brands for relatively fuck all money because it wasn't worth very much for the damage that had been done. But I'd learned a lot of things and built a good network over the years. I then went back to the drawing board and started working on my existing business, which I now think in hindsight is a much better vehicle to be in anyway. Um, started kind of the idea for that was broadly, I see a future where psilocybin is legalized. And I think it's the next CBD, you know, mushroom psychedelics longer term, but in the here and now, like nootropics and therapeutic mushrooms and just building wellness products was like my idea. Yeah, started working on that in like November 21, launched the brand pretty much bang on nine months ago at the end of April 22. And I suppose the rest is history with that and launched with one product called Rainbow Dust. And yeah, now I feel like it's my best creative work to date, but also probably best product work. I mean, it's still very early days, but yeah, it's growing really quick. Every growing pain under the sun. I like to think I'm slightly more 
knowledgeable with what I'm doing than I was with my previous ventures, which should be the case after this long chipping away at it. <laughs> but yeah, like the brand is ultimately, it's kind of my creativity meets like probably quite a good market that actually has an opportunity to build something big. So it intentionally looked the absolute opposite of everything else on the market. You know, wellness brands, broadly speaking, are very boring and vanilla and black, gray, brown packaging, so on. Whereas my brand is very pink and purple and intentionally polarizing and very much yeah. inspired by like the 80s aesthetic, which I'm kind of obsessed with. So yeah, in a nutshell, that is where we are now pretty much. And I'm fully focused on this brand alongside my own podcast I do on the side, but definitely never going to run two e-commerce brands at the same time ever again. Certainly not ones yep. in very different markets because it's impossible and I didn't enjoy it. Yeah, so. Fair enough. Well, so we always start with how do you get customers clicking? And I suppose for you, it's pretty it's probably related to like design. I mean, I, I'm I'm a customer, and I know mm. I, I know that website quite well. The design, like you said, it stands out, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it's funny because, at least in like my experience, people I've met online, like you know, the whole Twitter community, and like I guess social media entrepreneurs, maybe only ever speak about like ads it's like everyone wants to buy a fucking facebook ad course that's going to teach them how to build a billion pound business but no one ever genuinely talks about the product or how to develop like a cool product fundamentally because that's where it starts so i think yeah obviously i had a, I had a bit of experience by the time i launched this brand so i was very conscious that i wanted to do something that well firstly was like a good nutritional product and i think it is and that's kind of based on me being a customer of other brands first and taking what i like didn't like built it for me fundamentally but also very consciously stands out like a sore thumb and i think that is partly why it's you know resonated with people and got a lot of traction in the first few months is because it looks so different as well as it actually works which is important especially for like repeat customers subscriptions etc but yeah i designed the brand and first product to be very standout and i think the whole aesthetic is definitely why people are first intrigued and obviously click, I guess. So that's been the starting point. Yeah. So is this, you mentioned before that you used to just like design brands and things yeah. previously. So was was this a, a kind of brand that you had previously? Like you had this concept for a bit of a standout, I mean, I guess quite pink and sparkly. Yeah, brand. not like specifically this. I, I literally used to just, I have probably a Google Drive folder of 20 different, and when I say brand, I mean a logo and a name and a color palette. That's kind of where it yeah. starts. I guess that's only really like the visuals, but that's what I mean initially. I suppose with with the neon brand, I'd obviously, the first time I started using like pink and obviously that whole aesthetic was that sort of color palette. So I guess I kind of took, like it's literally the same pink that I used in the neon beach brand. Obviously it's a very different brand product wise and the name and the logo and so on. But yeah, I took kind of style cues from that. I mean, looking back at previous stuff I've done, I think this looks way better. And even like the first version of the website nine months ago, I, I think looks terrible compared to now. And I, I hope I think the same another nine months time. So it's always progressing. But yeah, I'd always just been like even this poster behind me. It's like this 80s synthwave thing that I designed like yeah. five years ago. So I just had that on a JPEG file from Photoshop in my Google Drive and I mean, that's not relevant to the brand, apart from it was in one of the brand movies we just filmed. But that whole aesthetic, I guess, has been brewing in my mind. So that this kind of felt like the perfect product and market to use it in. Because first, it stands out. But secondly, with the longer term view to potentially building like D2C psychedelic products, I mean, we're talking probably five, 10 years away. But I think it works obviously well for that because it looks a bit naughty. It looks kind of illegal and that's intentional. And I think it works. It contrasts 
just with everything else. So yeah, yeah. I yeah. suppose. Uh, I mean, as soon as you start talking about like mushrooms being involved in a drink r- related to like focus stress anxiety any sort of thing like that then people are obviously thinking i, I mean i guess you, you probably get a lot of questions right is this legal yeah because even though you're selling it online in the uk there must be people looking at it thinking di- like didn't know you could do anything else with the products with with like mushrooms and things yeah exactly i mean benefit i've learned a lot just from like instagram comments because it's, it's funny the amount of people that particularly at the start when the brand was completely new and had like no social proof or reviews or anything genuine they would literally ask is this magic mushrooms and people don't seem to know the difference between like lion's mane which isn't a psychedelic mushroom and like actual magic mushrooms which is obviously a a class a drug still in most of the world so that's quite interesting and it has been slightly problematic because my angle of the product and even on like the product page when i first launched was this is a psychedelic microdose imitation i.e. a legal alternative that feels the same, like focus, energy, calm. That was my whole pitch. And I thought that was really interesting and unique and what excited me. But then Instagram just banned our account like five times. So I had to remove any mention of that on the entire website and brand. And I've kind of pivoted to coffee replacement, which essentially is what it is because it is basically mushroom coffee, at least the first version and disc you. But I preferred the whole psychedelic angle but it doesn't sit too well with paid ad platforms. So there is that <laughs> challenge. But I think there's still kind of an obvious implication. And I think people can read through the lines that that's where we would like to go, maybe longer term. And yeah, not for everyone, but the branding does lend itself to that. And, you know, the fact it's called Rainbow Dust rather than Mushroom Coffee, like most brands. I mean, I'm really not sure why almost every brand is so boring because I didn't even think this was particularly creative. I just thought, it's, it makes sense to do something not the same as everyone else, but it seems there's more and more brands I see on a daily basis that just look and sound the exact same. Some of which are way, way bigger than I am and may may ever be, but it is funny because I just thought I had to do something different to even have a chance of making it work. But maybe that's just the way I think. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, like mushroom coffee doesn't even sound that appealing, does it? Yeah, that's another thing. A lot of people think, is it going to taste like dirt, basically? Yeah. And even though it says chocolate on the packaging and the website and everywhere else, people still seem to not know what it's going to taste like, which is interesting. So there's a lot of like preconceptions and education to do, which I still need to probably get better at doing because the brand and website has been a gradual improvement so far, but there's still a lot to do because, yeah, I think a lot of people don't actually really know what's in the product and what to expect which is maybe a good thing because it sparks that intrigue, but it's probably also a barrier for a lot of people. Yeah, like I said, like, and anyone who's got that question about the the impact it's going to have, because I think it, I think your website talks about focus and I can't remember if it mentions like any anything around stress and anxiety, but I imagine there are those people who are thinking, when I drink this, what is the real like impact it's going to have on me? I suppose like the same with CBD. Right, people. Yeah. So there are there are some people who will question like, is CBD going to get me high? Like, am I am, am I going to be able to work yeah, or drive? I think mushrooms and psychedelics potentially, which is what I think is coming next. I like CBD twenty years ago. I mean, I've never really been into CBD. I just don't particularly enjoy what it makes me feel like. But it's a similar sort of thing in the sense that it was very niche potentially when it started, and obviously people had negative associations with like, oh, that's weed or cannabis, which you know, 
dodgy drug, whatever. But now everyone seems to be putting CBD on their knees or whatever that goes running and you've got middle-aged women having CBD drops in fancy glass bottles and so on. So it's definitely been a shift. And I think mushrooms are probably a similar area because there are a lot of connotations with like magic mushrooms and, oh, is that naughty, et cetera, et cetera. Is it going to make me high? All this. So, yeah, I mean, the way I like to think about it is, I mean, I could be wrong in this, but I built the product for me initially. So my perception of what people would want is that a lot of people wouldn't really necessarily care what was in it. They just want, they just want to feel how it makes them feel. So I was kind of selling the, selling the effects rather than the ingredients first. It just so happens to have eight, these eight ingredients in it rather than people that are looking for specifically lion's mane, ashwagandha, whatever, which is also why it's an all-in-one blend. Cause I used to be so confused going on other websites thinking, well, why do they sell 25 different supplements? And why do they also sell a tea that has three of them in and, you know, where do I start? So I wanted to keep it simple and just market the effects, which the way I put it was focus, energy, calm, which is essentially yeah. coffee without the anxiety, which is probably the most common bit of positive feedback we get is that, oh, I no longer have mad anxiety from drinking coffee or jitters, whatever you want to call it. And that's probably in part largely to do with ashwagandha and so on and a few other ingredients, but it does genuinely have a different effect. Obviously it doesn't work for everyone because nothing will, but yeah. Yeah seems to have gone down well in that way yeah i mean at the, the end of the day that's what people want isn't it the desired outcome like you know same same yeah, exactly. cbd right but mostly like people want it for the the outcome they're going to get from it it's going to help them solve a problem um the ingredient check it, it's, it's more like a checklist thing isn't it they want to yeah. look at the ingredients go is there anything in there that i don't want to consume mm. yeah but it's not a it's more like a, a double checking sort of thing to make sure that I can drink this, not a yeah. primary selling point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, to be fair, I did fuck up with one of the ingredients at the start because we originally had sucralose in the blend, which when I'm marketing an all natural product didn't go down too well, but that was just naivety on my, my behalf because I just, yeah, I just said yes to the, our suppliers and then didn't really read into that too much. We've since changed that because it's a constant feedback loop, especially with, you know, one product initially. Like people yeah. either like it or they don't, and they're usually pretty vocal because they're consuming it. So yeah, there's constant feedback on whether that's Instagram, emails, Trustpilot, whatever. So yeah, it's a good way to learn. Just listen to what people are actually saying. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what do you think has contributed to the growth of the business a- apart from the, the the kind of crazy brand? Yeah, I mean, paid ads basically. That's yeah, been that's basically been it in the first nine months arguably like too much on paid ads i've definitely become slightly more efficient in the past two months particularly because i went very 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 aggressive with it particularly instagram which is kind of because that's all i really know is paid social and and google and so on because of previous stuff and that's how i've scaled everything in the past so that's definitely been the key driver i mean i I don't know how you would scale a new brand at all without paid social at least initially because i think it's the easiest and most scalable channel to begin with so yeah i guess right. solid product cool brand and just getting it in front of people it's it's all going to be paid whether it's whether it's social or not like even like ppc i suppose you could go down the route of like bidding on coffee alternative uh sort of yeah keywords. i mean yeah so we're obviously doing that as well but yeah it's been like 80 percent instagram probably 20 percent across google and tiktok yeah but heavy yeah, heavy sense. instagram is that is it just you running this or have you got a team 
No, everyone says that, and I kind of laugh at them and say, well, how do you think I'm running this by myself? There's, there's, there's six full-time people, and there's a lot of agencies involved as well. Okay. So, I mean, I play the card of, yeah, I work from my kitchen, which I kind of do, but there's still a lot of touch points and people involved, yeah. Yeah. It's just when you mentioned, like, Facebook ads is all you know, or well, like social ads I, I, is all you know. I haven't run my own ads for, like, three years, but that's yeah. my background. I, I understand that more than any other channel. So, Yeah. But I, I don't. I don't run them now. I would be terrible yeah. at doing them. I just wouldn't be specific enough. And um, what do you think's been key to like converting customers? Because obviously, it's like we talked about. It's a bit of a, I guess, like you said, like a, potentially considered like a naughty product because it's got mushrooms in it by some people. Yeah. But what, like, what's the focus? What do you think are the key things that get people to actually like click on a click on the ad in the first place, and then we're on the on the page make that decision to make that purchase i think first just looking good because i see so many websites where they've just quite literally used a fucking like terrible photoshop mock-up of some pill box or whatever it just looks looks shit so i think like really good imagery is very important because i think people just trust that more you know you almost want it to look like how can you make your website look like the apple of whatever you're doing because they have the most beautiful imagery like obviously iPhones and so on. Yeah. So I think that's one thing, particularly when you get started and you have no social proof. I think the next thing is when you get a bit of social proof is having that. So, you know, Instagram reviews, obviously, like we have a lot of UGC reviews on the website, like hundreds and hundreds of them. Started to do a bit more on Trustpilot, which probably doesn't affect too much yet because we don't have it on the website. But yeah, I think, I think that's one part of it. And then I suppose educating people because i've gradually like when we first launched i didn't even have like the nutritional information on the product page but then I, loads of comments were how many calories are in it H how much exactly of every, every ingredient in it because i used to just say what was in it but not how much and then over time i've just added to it and listened to people and then another one was what flavor is it if it wasn't obvious on the packaging we now have pictures of, of the, the picture of the actual powder and so on so so many things that kind of add on to conversion rate but to be fair i should probably have a bit more structure in terms of like actually converting people because i haven't done too much in terms of like split testing and so on but yeah it's just one of a billion things to do yeah exactly if you know if it's easy when things are going well to just to keep going with the paid ads like if the website's converting and then just deal with the the kind of easier stuff like you know what are people talking about in their reviews, in their emails and things? Mm. And what can we just improve on the website to to hopefully boost boost conversion? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. to try and keep it simple to an extent, at least for now. So do, yeah. Do you like specifically ask for feedback? So do you do you ever email customers and just or like surveys and anything just to gather specific yeah, feedback? So, yeah, standard website review is probably the most standard one we've been doing, which probably everyone does. I do also have like a type form which goes out to people, which I really should use more because that was set up and I realized I'd hit my hit my feedback limit about six months ago without noticing, which proves I wasn't exactly looking at the responses. But yeah, I guess I, I should do more of it, but I suppose the most standard is just the reviews. And obviously probably the bad ones are probably the most important because you can learn from them the most. But then also you know common themes of what people are saying they're like and then anything in between yeah i mean if, if you get loads of comments saying the taste is amazing like it's it's great and maybe like a use case around it like it's perfect in the morning first thing in the morning that's the sort of messaging you might yeah. want to try and advertising on the website one thing i've found particularly useful is is looking at competitors reviews as well and yeah, seeing what true. people 
what people are saying they like and and even dislike about those products as well. Yeah, I was talking to a a a brand who does like boxed cocktails. Um, oh yeah, so they're like they come in pouches, they get delivered. I've seen a few of those recently. They they've, be, they've been popping up a bit. Yeah, That's yeah, a bit well, of a trend. They, they popped like up a bit in, in COVID cocktails. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like so much feedback has been that. A lot of the other products on the market are just, they taste generic. They don't, a lot of the time, don't really taste like the cocktail they're supposed to be. They're way too sweet or they're watered down. And it's those sort of comments, which are, you know, these are things we should be targeting on the page. Like like reinforcing the fact that our our cocktails don't have that much sugar in. Or Yeah, I should really do more of that, to be fair. Like addressing specific things on like landing pages and so on. Because it's been a bit general up to now. But... There's always something I haven't done yet. Yeah. What about retention? Like, how do you keep customers coming back? Do you have to do anything? Or, you know, do you find that once people are buying it and using it, they just keep subscribing? Yeah. I mean, subscription is definitely like the holy grail. You want someone to subscribe to it and keep subscribing. So we've got a good portion of subscribers, like over 4,000 subscribers now, which is quite good, I suppose. I think like one major thing I'm we are doing we're launching an entirely new product on monday called dream dust because i think really there's only so far you can go with one product i mean granted you could probably scale it into new countries and so on we are doing that as well but new yeah new product has been my focus in recent months but that just takes so long everything takes longer than you'd imagine it's just everything's bloody delayed all the time but then in terms of obviously getting people to subscribe and staying subscribed i mean again i should probably do more on that but we have like a survey if people want to unsubscribe or and obviously encouraging people to subscribe. So so that's always interesting. I think churn is always going to be a challenge for any consumable e-commerce brand. It's a bit different to like software where it's fully ingrained in your life. It's kind of pretty easy for tom- someone to cancel something if yeah. you know they just don't feel like it's ultimately worth it. But yeah, you just have to know the numbers, I suppose. Yeah, but it's some, yeah, but, I think just having a good product is, is obviously the north star, and it's not perfect, but I think it's a good start. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I got my, I, I got a restock way too early, and I think it was it was probably down to the fact that I went on holiday, and then it was the Christmas period, and I just don't think I was using it that much. Yeah, obviously, obviously not while I was away, and that is that's the sort of thing that does cause people to to cancel. In fact, I've got another subscription. Yeah, I should probably do something where you can pause it. I don't know if we even have that, but that's a good point. Because I did that with Huel. I had about 25 bags of Huel in my cupboard. And I was like, wait, I'm (laughs) getting three more every month. I don't even drink it. Yeah, you can can normally like skip orders. In in fact, so the three products that I subscribe to, I'm overstocked on all of them Mm. uh, because I'm just getting them too much. Like, so I use Heights. Do you know Heights? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've I've got them. I'm I'm looking at three containers on my desk now. So yeah. it's like I've got about two and a half months supply. Is that because you think it doesn't work then? Because otherwise you'd be taking it every day. I must. So this is the thing, and it's a good thing for you actually. When it comes to me, I can't. I'm, I'm struggling to get into the habit of taking them to remind myself to take them, even though they're right mm. in front of me on my desk. Yeah, there are obviously days when I forget. And I think that, and I was very conscious about this because I have this weird thing, and correct me if I'm wrong, I can't swallow tablets, right? It's like some weird childhood trauma. I don't know what happened. Probably choked on a paracetamol when I was five or something. And I just never bothered to get over it because I didn't feel like I needed to because you can always find like a soluble version. But I very consciously did not want to make a tablet product and I never will. 
primarily because I can't swallow them. But I think if something is like enjoyable and it feels like a routine rather than a a job or a task you have to do, everyone makes a coffee in the morning or something. You can just that's, make a rainbow dust instead. Whereas taking a tablet, thing, yeah. it's less enjoyable. You don't have that 10 minute where you maybe have your little caffeine rush and you sit down at your desk, which I enjoy every day because it's like a ritual. Whereas popping a tablet, you can't even taste it. It's yeah. not very, doesn't stick think, with you. But part of it is that it's, yeah, like introducing heights didn't replace a, an existing part of my routine, whereas rainbow dust did. You know, in, in just instead of putting coffee in the mug at the same time every day, Mm. I just put the scoops of, of rainbow dust in, right? So yeah. that was really easy switch, and that's why I take it. I have it pretty much every day. Yeah, um, I need to write that down and put that on a landing page because that's so true. Yeah, like that whole thing um, of just you already have the routine, blah blah blah. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not an a, it's not an additional thing that yeah. people are having to like. If you if you'd said if it said if the instruction said like you've got to take it at twelve o'clock every day. Yeah, that I, I would probably almost never use it because it doesn't fit into my to my routine. I've I've never actually tried it cold. I think you can try it cold. You can drink it cold, can't you? Yeah, I mean the problem with that is it doesn't mix very well. But everyone complains yeah. about it mixing, and it, I also say that. But we have we're launching these like next week or something in like two weeks. Oh, okay. So we have these pink frothers because that completely solves that problem. So it's a constant improvement loop, but it just doesn't happen overnight because yeah, you're just producing products and. Yeah, if I could would do it in a day, I would. But actually, do, do you want to do you want to talk about your, that new product a bit? Yeah, so this, this won't come out until after it's released anyway. So yeah, well, yeah, the idea there. I mean, I maybe initially thought it would be a one skew business, but then I quickly realised that's probably not the best way to go. I, I always want to be fairly limited in skews, but a big category I, I always saw. And ultimately, I'm trying to build like is experiential, even a word, but experiential wellness products that are kind of all in one to solve a specific thing. And I suppose Rainbow Dust was the starting point. And I actually think that solves less of a problem. But it's more just like an improvement to coffee. So I, I actually think Rainbow Dust is potentially a less good product because it's not so much a need for a lot of people. It's more just like a luxury in a way. Whereas Dream Dust, it's, basically, it's a sleep product. So the idea is it just helps you sleep and it's got eight different ingredients in entirely different profile to rainbow dust obviously no caffeine reishi mushroom is the primary leading ingredient because everything for now at least is mushroom based because i think that keeps the brand mushroom focused so it just makes more sense yeah it's like blue purple gradient packaging so it's a powder again i think powders are the best product to launch with and yeah again the idea is it's an all-in-one ritual type product where you take it before bed so the idea then is day and night so hopefully I'll yeah. get people subscribing today and night. And obviously there's loads of bundles and so on that are going to be going live. And a, a dual subscription would be the holy grail now. Someone that subscribes to both every month and loves yeah. both. And it's very much in line with the whole aesthetic of being a gradient. We've got this 80s movie, which is 11 minutes long, coming out on Monday as well to okay. launch the product, which is probably the most extra piece of brand content i've ever seen in my entire life for any brand ever let alone a supplement one that's nine months old so i don't know if that's been done before i'm basically creating a movie franchise alongside the brand because why not so yeah yeah exactly very intense <laughs> but you'll see that soon yeah i'd love to keep an eye out for that um but it makes sense i mean like going back to heights they've just they've fairly recently launched their smart probiotic yeah so so they're kind of saying that's their way of launching another product to the market, which all of their subscribers could have that as well. 
yeah because it does something slightly different but i guess the ultimate goal is 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 similar yeah and also it opens up a whole because obviously ideally people subscribe to both but it's probably a lot of people that think the brand's cool but they're not, not that bothered about coffee but they would love a yeah. sleep product I, and i my gut feel is it will actually be a better product in terms of convert more people i could be wrong but that's my instinct what flavor is it going to be it's honey and ginger so it's like a tea okay interesting but it's very I'm different to check it out i love to i love to get a pack yeah. but i know that so i've i've actually funnily enough i've got another jar on my desk which is from another brand and it's their nighttime what yeah, brand the, is the, it? it's motion nutrition not seeing them to be fair i'll have to I've, google them i've been connected with the founder for ages um so eventually motion i thought i'd nutrition. try them out Can you google but I've gone through their morning stuff because again, like that was really easy to put into the routine. It took me a bit longer to get through their midday stuff. Is it called Unplug? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I've never seen this before. So, but it just like, looks like every other fucking brand. <laughs> so I'm just savaging your, potentially your friend's brand here. Apologies. <laughs> sorry. Um, but like, but the, it, it was the I just try and like. be so different to all these brands. They yeah. just look the same. I mean, I'm sure it's a great product, but and it's also a capsule, which I just can't do. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> But yeah, I, I do. I do see the benefit in standing out, right? Especially these days when costs of acquisition are—you know—it's getting harder and harder to acquire people. Yeah. If you look the same as another product, then you've then got a harder job to try and convince someone to buy, right? Because then you've got to start getting into the detail and convince someone that there's this tiny little reason why you're better. Whereas yeah. you, what you've done is almost like like position it completely differently, and yeah. that means like people aren't comparing it so much i guess i mean to be fair i could be completely deluded and find that if you ran a split test against brown packaging called mushroom powder that might sell better but i would just not want to be the founder of that brand so that there's, there's always a fine line between what do i think is aesthetically beautiful and also what converts best they're not necessarily the same thing and yeah. i probably haven't run those tests to actually find out nor do i really want to know because i might find that pink packaging is actually a net negative for trying to sell mushroom products but it's what I've gone with. So <laughs> you wouldn't have thought so. To make it work. But like, like you said with the jewelry business, right? You don't want to you don't want to be in a position where suddenly you're thinking, actually, I don't really care about this brand because it doesn't like you don't yeah. like it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I've um, always made stuff for me first. And if other people like it and want to buy it, great. Yeah. It seems to be working quite well. Yeah. Yeah. Have you got any like big apart from obviously a new product launch? Any other big plans? Like, have you got any new channels that you want to open up? Yeah, so we just launched on Amazon like three months ago, which is going quite well. Although our entire listing got disabled like four days ago, so we've got some I've got some agency I'm working with, and I know nothing about Amazon, so that's that's an entirely new thing. But it seems pretty consistent and good to have another channel. I'd like to get into retail. Speaking to like Holland and Barrett and so on, who said they like it, but these things seem to take about eight years to actually go anywhere because dealing with a big corporate and they'll probably never pay you and so on. But so I, I don't know where that'll go, but that'd be quite cool. It's going to um, stand out on their shelves. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, I just don't know. It might stand out too much. I don't know. I haven't really got, got any further with them yet, but also I'd like to go hard in Europe. We've just launched a European warehouse. So started running ads there and so on. Probably like look at localizing the website in germany or something and then i'm also working on like two other products as well right now so they're in the pipeline i don't want to overdo it with products but i think having a primary suite of maybe three to four and then building from there each of which addresses like a key pain point is probably a good way to look at it 
Yeah. So, yeah, it's just everything takes 10 times longer and it's 10 times harder than I would ever imagine, especially making like nutritional products. Just take like the lead time is just a nightmare. And then, you is, know. It, I, is, it, is it regulated? Apart, apart from the normal like consumable product stuff do you have any ed- like you know like cbd is quite heavily regulated do you have yeah it's, like it's, not, it's not it's not it's not as bad as that i've had a, so i work with this lab that because obviously i was very conscious when i launched the brand that i actually knew nothing about nutrition apart from the fact that i take a lot of these products i didn't know the laws and regulations around any of it so obviously i work with a lab and a supplier that do know that they basically took my mad ideas and made them commercially viable and allowed but no that it's not as heavy as like cbd in the sense that we haven't had issues like advertising which would have been a big problem if we had because i've heard of cbd brands that literally can't run ads i don't know how they have a business but yeah that's kind it of is, their problem but i work, I with, I work with a cbd brand it's a nightmare you have to do a lot of like work it. around stuff yeah uh, like basically you advertise an informational landing page yeah i've heard about this which, like cloaking stuff and so on yeah like you, you so can't actually yeah, you're not actually allowed to promote your products. You're, you the only link you're allowed is a link to your homepage. That's it. So it doesn't. You can't. You can't run like conversion ads to it. You, yeah. That you, that can't be the reason why you're running ads. You have to. You have to take it from the point of view that you're trying to educate these people. So you need to try and capture their email address and then funnel them in later through other methods. Yeah, that would be painful. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there'll be something something that comes up at some point. I'm sure someone will accuse me of selling magic mushrooms and if they haven't already and, you know, I'll have to prove that we're not or something because <laughs> I yeah. think that that's just the result of having eyeballs on anything, especially when you're quite polarizing, like I think the brand is. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Cool. So just before we finish up, is there anyone in the kind of e-commerce marketing space that you'd want to sit down for lunch with? Like anyone from a particular brand? Oh shit, it's a good question. I feel like I'm so obsessed with my own brand recently, I forget what the hell anyone else is actually doing. I mean, I have a lot of mates running cool brands, but I can't say them because I know them. Let me try and think of one. Christ, what's a cool brand I see? I mean, loads of them have been on my podcast because I think they're cool, so I've already spoke to them. I'm trying to think. I actually don't know because I feel like the obvious ones now, I feel like there's potentially a, a new generation of brands that are going to come out of nowhere because like you, everyone would probably say Gymshark or something because they're like the darling of UK e-commerce in the past 10 years. But I look at brands like that now, and this is going a bit off topic, and just think they have lost why I would have originally bought from them because they were cool and up and coming. And now they're just a big sellout commercial corporate, which I'm sure if you're the founder and you've made a billion quid, you have no problem with. Yeah. But I just wonder. I see your point though. Do you know what I mean? Like I would never buy from that brand anymore. Whereas five years ago, I'd have thought it's the coolest thing ever because it had all the influences and I don't know. So I, I, I suppose... I haven't really seen any brand that I think... Actually, yeah, I think Represent Clothing is a good one. I think they're at a similar point. I've been a customer of theirs for like seven years. So, and now they're like really mainstream and probably going more and more mainstream. I don't know if you know them, but my LTV has probably been like five, six grand over the past few years. Like, okay. So, and I, and I see everyone wearing their stuff all the time. But I think they've also got to the point where they're probably doing 50, 60 million in revenue now and they want to get to a hundred. And how do you get there? You basically have to stop being, I think you have to stop being cool in a way and go a bit more like mainstream and commercial. You need so, to appeal to a wider audience, don't you? And then you yeah, start so to lose I, that. I'll, I'll probably find that even in like the next year that maybe the brand's a bit, a bit too different or something. I don't know, but yeah, it's interesting. So I'd, I'd probably sit down with him. 
He seems yeah. to have similar interests to me. But that's a pretty plain example because I feel like every man in the world runs a clothing brand. But yeah, I don't know. Nothing other than that really stands out to me. I'm on like D2C Twitter all the time and there's obviously loads of brand owners and so on. But I do just genuinely think a lot of startup brands just look and sound the exact same. I'm not saying I'm doing anything particularly groundbreaking, but I do think at least it's pretty unique visually. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean... Hopefully, I can never be accused of copying anyone else because I don't think anyone else has done it like this, at least in this space. Yeah. So. Yeah, fair enough. And yeah, finally, uh, have you got any tools that you use like every day that you'd recommend to anyone? Like marketing I mean, tools or like design tools or anything like that? I should probably use way more. I feel like my entire life's in like a fucking notepad. I mean, usual shit like Slack, obviously. I use that for everything. I'm really trying to use like one of those project management tools like monday.com. I just can't get yeah. my head around because it. it feels like a full-time job just to set it up, let alone to actually use it. Not really. I just, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm probably really scrappy and just old school. Like, I'm just not very organized at all. I'm not that yeah. person. I'm really just, I much prefer just coming up with mad ideas and making movies and shit and yeah. and figuring out a way to justify doing the creative stuff, which I guess is having a product that sells, but nothing comes to mind that everyone's probably not already using. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, like project management wise, I used Trello for ages because it was just super easy and simple. Yeah. And it's taken me pretty much a year to finally get my business organized on Notion. Because oh, I, yeah. I, so I, everyone tells me about Notion. Right. Is Notion it, different to Monday? Is it the same thing? I have no it's, idea. It's great. I really like it, but yeah, it's, it's not something I want to set up. It's mm. go pay someone to build out the templates, put everything in place, and I can populate the information. That's fine. Yeah, I might do but, that, actually. Yeah. Hire someone to do that. Some guy just, on Upwork or something. Yeah, it took me that long because I was just like, where do I start? Yeah. Like, and how, how do I know if I've set this up correctly? What are the, all the options? Yeah. So it's, just, yeah. it's probably worth it long term. I just haven't got around to that shit yet. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Need, need more time. Cool. Well, thank you so much. This has been been really great. I'm really excited to see the new product when it comes out. If anyone yeah, I hope it's not out, a flop. I've really I've hyped it up <laughs> so much with this like movie and shit. I hope people actually like the product. It's always a bit of a a concern. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Awesome. Well, if, if anyone wants to reach out and find out more, what's the best way of doing that? Yeah, I mean, either like watch my pod called called the Midnight Pod, and then I'm on Twitter and Instagram at m a t t h u c i s Mathusius, which is not my second name. It's a play on the Chinese philosopher Confucius. So, so many people apparently thought my second name was Husius for about three years. Right. And I realized that's because my username is Matt Husius, but I read it as con like Confucius, Mathusius. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's all linked to my podcast, but I talk a lot of shit on Twitter. I don't really use Instagram that much, but I guess YouTube, Twitter is usually where I'm at. Yeah. For anything cool. kind of brand related. Awesome. All right. Cheers, Matt. Cheers. In 2023, when it's so easy to launch a new brand and sell online, you've got to be doing something different. You have to stand out. As Matt mentioned, he could have simply gone down the route of selling a mushroom coffee replacement drink with the same generic branding you see on hundreds of other brands. But design has always been an interest to Matt. So, you know, he wanted his brand to stand out. He wanted to create some conversation. So not only did he do this with the bright pink and blue branding you see on his products, but the names all kind of hint at something as well. Space Goods, Rainbow Dust, Dream Dust. It's a really powerful example of how doing something a bit different is super beneficial to growth. If you'd like to hear more from Matt, you can reach out to him on LinkedIn or Twitter. Any other podcast questions, feedback or guest requests, please DM me on LinkedIn. 
Next up, I've got Adam Kitchen joining me again. Adam was one of my first guests about 145 episodes ago, but he's back joining me next week to explain how brands can get more value out of their email strategy. But until then, keep those customers clicking.